Hello, and welcome to Co-op Cast, where game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly talk about cooperative board games. Join us each week as we break down one game and have a related design discussion. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, 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 here we are, everyone, on another episode of Co-op Cast, episode 19, I believe, is that right? Wow, do you have a lot of caffeine tonight? You just went nuts and blew right through my introduction. Well, you know what? You always get to save the episode number. I feel like I'm missing out, so I had to just get some of that action, man. All right, well, welcome to episode 19. This episode, we are going to do something a little different. We're actually going to do two reviews for you this week, and then we're going to conclude the episode next week with another review and a design discussion. That's right, double the review for double the fun. And I said next week, but actually I meant two weeks. We're going to follow it up on our normal schedule. Yeah, and uh, both our games this week and uh, the follow-up in two weeks are all uh, related to each other in that they are all real-time games. So uh, the first game we're going to be reviewing in this real-time strategy sort of category for the next two weeks is Five Minute Dungeon from Spin Master Games, which I don't really know at all. I know they uh, did Battle of the Sexes, but that's about all I've heard of. And the second game is a bit more of a classic, one of the uh, the first real-time games that I was aware of, which is Escape from Queen Games. Yeah, Escape Curse of Temple. We're just going to review the base box of that, along with the Curses and Treasure expansion, which comes in the main box. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all I've played. I've never played any of the many, 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 many additional modules that Queen Game has released for it. No, neither have I. This is it. Just the base game. But before we get into the reviews this week, I just wanted to thank you guys for... We've had a lot of contributions lately, so I just wanted to thank you. We've had some suggestions for some other games to cover in the future. So far, our suggestions have been Ghost Stories, Eldritch Horror, and Roombound 3rd Edition with the new expansion, which makes it co-op. Yeah, and I'm definitely up for at least a couple of those. Uh, Eldritch Horror is one of my favorites and one I play with my son, so I'd be all about that. So yeah, thanks for the uh, suggestions. Uh, please feel free to email us at mvpboardgames at gmail, tweet us at mvpboardgames, or uh, check us out on Reddit as well. Yeah, or Facebook at mvpboardgames as well. We got all those social medias covered, except for, I don't know what, Instagram? What, what are the kids using these days? Yeah, the kids are using Instagram, I think. We haven't done Instagram yet, uh, and we don't have a BGG guild. And part of the reason is we have so many other places to be contacted that we figured just go to one of those. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to jump in with our review of Five Minute Dungeon. So this is a very quick game. It actually takes five minutes to play the game. Imagine that. And in terms of theme, it's your basic dungeon crawl. Uh, You're going in and defeating smaller monsters and overcoming small challenges, trying to reach a large boss and defeat them. And that's how you actually win the game. So, fairly typical there, but it does have a very kind of tongue-in-cheek style with the artwork, uh, very cartoony, and uh, a lot of the cards have kind of goofy names of the monsters you'll fight and puns on, like, popular culture and those kind of things. So, even though it is a dungeon crawler theme, it's a very kind of silly version of it. But uh, very simple, you shuffle together a deck of door cards, which include enemies and traps and those kind of things. And each player has their own uh, deck of cards that is in one of five colors. And the five colored decks have different action cards in them. And also a mixture of the five colors and icons of the basic cards. And whichever class you are, you tend to have more of the color that matches your class. 
So each of the monster cards or encounters will have usually two to three icons that have to be matched. So if a guy has a shield and an arrow, then between the two to four players, they have to play a shield card and an arrow card to the table to defeat that monster, and they can move on to the next door card. Uh, And you have to win. You have to defeat every single card in the door deck and then actually defeat the boss who has their own icons and is generally much, much harder than any regular monster. And then uh, you lose the game if you uh, totally go through your deck and can't do anything else because uh, you do not reshuffle your deck. If you simply don't have the cards required to defeat the boss in your hand between all of the players, uh, or any enemy really, if you just can't progress because you can't have the right cards. And also if the five-minute timer runs out because it is actually a five-minute game. So those are the basics. You just play cards to match icons, defeat guys, and you have a few special powers in there. Oh, and also, real quick, uh, each character has a special power. They can discard three cards for to activate, and most of them are pretty simple. They just defeat a certain type of enemy immediately, and you always draw back up once you've played some cards. So you should always have uh, three, four, or five cards in your hand. Cool. Real basic description, because it's a real basic game. I mean, it is fairly easy to get to the table. We could have even potentially used this for our kid game, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it didn't go quite as well with Harrison, but I was trying to introduce it as a real-time game right off the bat, which I think is a mistake. Uh, next time I try it, I'm going to try it as a like turn-based game, basically, and just let him take as long as he needs, and I think he'll be a lot more successful with that. Absolutely. So now we're going to go into our top five lists. If this is your first time joining us, thanks for joining us. Basically, we're going to go from our number five thing to our number one thing we think you need to know about the game, five being the least important thing to us, and number one being the most important or defining characteristic of the game in our mind. So, Mike, why don't we start with you? What is your number five thing for Five Minute Dungeon? All right, so number five is not about the game itself, but there is a official app they talk about in the rulebook that is free to download for iOS or Android devices, and it's... It's literally nothing except a five-minute timer. Like, there's no gameplay connections whatsoever. You could use any five-minute timer to get the exact same effect. But uh, what they've done is they've gotten five really good voice actors, including uh, one of them is John Bailey, who's the voice of uh, Honest Trailers and Honest Game Trailers, which are popular channels on YouTube that I certainly listen to every week. And uh, they just narrate kind of your actions, make fun of you, like encourage you to hurry up. And it's a, it's a really nice uh, theme builder and really adds humor to a game that's already trying to be humorous in its art and a lot of other stuff. So it's not, like, vital to the game, which is why it's my number five, but it's certainly a really nice touch that was totally unnecessary, but I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are five different voices, and each of them has multiple tracks, too. So if you listen, if you do the same track again, they're going to have different introductions for you each time. So I know I've listened through it a couple of times already just to hear the tracks because they're pretty funny. So, Peter, what's your number five? So my number five is that we have five different classes in this game, and they all play pretty uniquely. So everybody has the same basic cards, and that's going to be most of your deck. But you have these special cards, these black cards, that each class has something different. So there are two healer classes, like the the cleric class and the ranger class. Both have cards with some healing abilities in them. And so they play a little differently than the warrior card, which has a lot of defeat monsters and defeat people cards in them. So... Even though the classes and you're just playing cards and a lot of times you're just throwing colors down on the table, those special cards really do make each character play a little differently. 
I do think this works into scalability as well, because some of those decks are easier than others. So I know, for example, I always have my six-year-old play the green deck because that one is just full of a lot of wild cards. So that's their special ability that they typically have is wild cards. Whereas some of the other ones, like the wizard, have a little bit more complicated things going on with their decks. So my number five is different classes that play differently. Yeah, and that was an honorable mention for me. Uh, I didn't feel they were different enough to push it higher. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a nice touch that they decided to put that in the game. So my number four is... uh Another kind of non-gameplay related thing, but that I appreciate a lot. The art for the game is both hilarious and beautifully rendered. And uh, the card names are really funny. Like a lot of goofy puns and just ridiculous things. Now I will say, you have no time to appreciate these whatsoever during the game. But whenever we clean up uh, after a quick play session uh we we look at a few of them and and get a good chuckle out of it so it it was enough to also kind of make me enjoy the game a bit more but uh yeah it's it's a minor pro because it's going to have almost again no effect on the gameplay like while you're actually playing it it's just something to appreciate before and and afterwards and what i will say it also does is we played this in a public setting we're actually at the secret cabals one of their beer monger events and we're playing this game and Everybody was looking over our shoulders, reading the cards, you know, while we were playing the game. So it does have a, because of the frenetic pace of the game, it draws people to the table anyway. And having the humorous cards really keeps people's attention on the game as you're playing it. So I do think, even though it doesn't have a gameplay element, it really does bring people into this game and it, it increases the interest in it. Yeah, definitely. All right, so my number four is that mistakes are actually part of the gameplay. It's interesting for me, and this is probably something we'll talk about in the design discussion, but mistakes, I think, are part of almost any real-time game. And I think for some games, it ruins the game to some degree or makes it... I think most of the time it's going to make the game easier because, you know, for example, we're going to talk about escape in a minute. As you're rolling the dice in escape... If you accidentally pick up the wrong dice or or do something incorrectly, which you probably will, it's typically going to be in your favor. Whereas in this game, when you throw down a card and it hits the table, that card is now played to the table. So let's say a monster only needed one arrow and three of us threw down arrows at the same time. Well, all three of those are on the table and they're all going to get swept with the monster. So I think it handles those mistakes that happen in these real-time games in a neat fashion, and I actually think that adds a learning curve to the game, which I think a lot of these games don't have as big of a learning curve, and actually makes you get better as the game the more you play, because you learn to communicate faster the more times you play the game. Yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, my number three is that the game is really simple, really accessible, very quick to teach, um, and it only takes five minutes to play, so that's a, a nice little pleasurable thing. It's also a very cheap game doesn't quite fit into my number three, but it's something kind of like along the same lines. I think it's only $15 on Amazon, maybe. So uh, being easy to teach, easy to play, quick to play, and inexpensive, it is a, a, a nice factor in its favor. Yeah, absolutely. And my number three is, speaking of five minutes, is it actually takes longer to clean this game up than to play the game. So it's called Five Minute Dungeon, but it should be called 15 Minute Dungeon. Five <laughs> minutes to play... 10 minutes to clean up. I will say setup is a breeze. It takes, you know, no time less than two minutes to set the game up. 
but actually cleaning it up after you're done because you have all these cards jumbled all over the place, all over the table from all these different decks, and you have to separate them back out. So it does take a little while to clean up. That could be a negative. I mean, certainly a negative. It's not a po- There's no positive to the fact that it does take as long, if not longer, to clean up the game than it took you to play the game. Yeah, that was another honorable mention. Um, it's definitely a knock against the game that it, it, it really does take a while to separate all the cards out. We tried at one point like flicking the cards that have been played to one area for Peter's cards and one for my cards, but it definitely made it take too long to actually win the tougher challenges. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a negative. Um, another negative, so I've had mostly positive things so far, and I haven't really talked about the gameplay at all, just the other things. Um, I feel like the game has basically no real decision-making. So this is my number two, a con. And that might sound kind of silly, like it's a real-time game. What kind of decision-making is there going to be? But you'll hear in the Escape discussion and also in our discussion uh, of Magic Maze, which we're covering in two weeks, and also other real-time games we talk about uh, in our design discussion in two weeks, there are a lot of real-time games, all the ones that I really, really like, that do manage to give you like really interesting tactical choices uh, in their limited time frame. I do not feel like 5-Minute Dungeon gives that to me. I mean, besides, like, communicating, which isn't really a choice, it's just, like, kind of a basic thing, it's pretty obvious what I should do almost at all times. The only question is, like, should I use this valuable action card or not? That's about the extent of the real decision-making process I saw in the game. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that a little bit. I do think there are more choices than you give it credit for. I mean, certainly every player has their own special power. So if you see a trap, for example, and my special power is discard three cards to get a trap, and we don't realize because we're not communicating well enough or, or the time pressure that we don't have those colors and we start throwing cards down on the table, then we realize we can't beat it. Now I'm discarding cards afterward. Or I had a black action that could have made me skip a trap and I've decided to do other things instead. I will sometimes pick a different character if the boss needs a lot of one color or another. And so maybe saving some of those valuable cards in your hand for the end of the game. Of course, sometimes that backfires and it hurts you in the middle of the game. Although I will say, I mean, it's a five minute game. Obviously, you don't have a ton of choices because you don't have a lot of time. But I think the things you get better at is communication and making sure that you are picking a good way to overcome the obstacle that's facing you. And the only other choices I think it does have is sometimes you'll have double cards. So it might be a double shield or a sword and an arrow. And sometimes you'll use it just for the sword or just for the arrow, even though obviously it would be better to play just a single card in those situations. So you have to decide whether you want to throw those out there or wait for somebody to draw up and hopefully you know use their power or something else. Sure. Peter, what's your number two? My number two is a combination of your number four and five, which is humor, artwork, and cardstock. I think this game is excellently produced. Everything from the app to the artwork to the funny sayings on the cards, it's a joy to play. It's a joy to look at. I mean, even down to the minute detail, when you put everything back in the box with the different colored decks, the back of each deck forms their five-minute logo So it makes one big logo between all the decks of cards, which is really cool to look at if you ever look at the inside of the box. So it's just their, I guess, commitment to detail on this that I really thought was neat. And the reason I mentioned cardstock is you are throwing these cards all over the place, and I haven't seen any chips out of my card or anything else so far, and I've played it quite a few times with little kids, and there hasn't been any kind of damage to the card, which is amazing. I haven't sleeved mine, so... 
Well, sorry to tell you, Peter, that uh, I've been playing with your copy after I borrowed it, and there are chips on a few cards that I noticed. Oh. So, I don't know if that was us just mistreating the game, but uh, yeah, the card stock, I think, is going to suffer over extended plays, but hey, again, it's a cheap game. My number one is also a con, and it's a pretty big one, why it's my number one. The game has issues, and I could even call them game-breaking issues. Uh, Let me go through a few. There's like several things in here. So number one, the player balance is terrible. With two players, you have uh, the equivalent of four player decks. And remember, one of the loss conditions is running out of cards. With four players, you have four player decks. With three players, you only have three player decks. And uh, in my three player games, we have often, often, very often lost by running out of cards. And I haven't checked the numbers, but I actually suspect that it might literally be impossible to win a three-player game against the hardest boss because we are already having such a hard time winning against, like, the second and third level bosses. And with all those extra dungeon cards, I think... I mean, this would be a silly design decision, so maybe I hope I'm wrong, but I think it might actually potentially be impossible to win a three-player game just because you literally have fewer cards than in every other player count, which is a very weird decision. Three-player is much harder to win the game at, and I really don't recommend playing it. It was very frustrating for us. But beyond that, uh, the cards aren't very balanced. Uh, The worst example is there's a Holy Hand Grenade card in one of the decks, that, according to uh, the designers on BGG, can defeat the boss instantly. So it's like, why would I ever not play with that character and just hold on to that card waiting for the boss? It's a very odd design choice to just give an instant game-winning card for a single class that nobody else has a similar thing. And I've seen a lot of people, this is how I played uh, House Rolling It, that it does not kill the boss, can only be used against a regular enemy. But still, another odd choice. And uh, just one more is that uh, there, there's a major controversy, you can read about this on BDG, about whether you lose the game when you can't match symbols uh, of the enemy that's currently up. So the designer, if, if I have this right, there, there's been a difference of opinion between the designer and the publisher. My understanding is that the designer said, no, you lose the game. Like, if you need three arrows and you don't have three arrows between all of you, you can't just throw cards down to draw more cards. You lose. And you could lose, like, on the second card of the game. And we were playing that way to sort of go with what the designer had said. And it was incredibly frustrating and, like, really not a good experience at all. Um but then uh, the publisher came in and said, no, no, actually, you can just pretend, you know, there's a rule, like Peter said, that if a, ge- if a card is played, then it's on the table, and oh, well, it's a mistake. He was like, oh, you can, you can just pretend that you're accidentally throwing those cards down and draw more cards to allow yourself to progress in the game. And it's really like a wonky, weird thing, because if you play, it seems by the way the game was uh, intended, you can very easily lose immediately. And it's much more likely in a two-player Because in three and four, and you can actually play up to five players, in three, four, and five player games, you have 12 to 15 cards between all of the players. In two player, you have only 10 cards, so much more likely that you're going to not have what you need. And it also, it almost kind of necessitates, if you don't want to get stuck in that situation, that at least one of the players take one of the powers that allows you to discard cards to draw more cards, which limits your options in terms of which character classes you play. So yeah, I, I was very disappointed in the balance of the game and in the clarity of the rules and in how the player counts worked. And uh, I had some really bad experiences. Not playing with you, Peter, so you, this is kind of all new to you. But uh, really bad experiences with uh, a three-player group that I was playing with the other day. 
Well, most of my games have been three-player. I play with my son, my daughter, so my six-year-old, my 10-year-old, myself, and we've gone all the way through the third boss and beat them. And we have not had one or two of us will run out of cards, but we've never had all three of us run out of cards. That's interesting that you did. We always play with the rule where you can discard cards to draw cards back up, and that would lead more to what you were saying, which is running out of your deck, but we don't have that frustrating experience a minute or two in. I, I figured that out pretty quickly. At first, we would always take characters like the wizard. You don't have to have characters with card drawing abilities. Characters like the wizard, who discards three cards to pause the timer, can then draw three cards right back up. So it's not like they're out of the game altogether. The holy hand grenade, I agree. Using it on the boss is kind of cheesy and frustrating, but you know what? That also got us to beat the third boss with my kids. So if I'm playing with kids, I don't mind using it for that. Certainly as I'm playing it with adults, I'm not going to use it for defeating the boss. Maybe I use it as a wild or two wilds against the boss, but not to just outright defeat it. But I mean, for me, that's not a big deal. This is not meant to be a brain-burny game, and that's why any rules that appear frustrating, I'm just playing with the rule that is more favorable and friendly to the players. And I guess that leads right into my number one, which I put Fast Furious Fun. And I believe that is the way the game should be played. You know, you pull out your deck, you pull out the monsters, you start, you shuffle everything up, and you throw it down, and you start going. And you see how far you can get through. Hopefully you beat it. If you beat it, you move on to level two, then level three. Each boss gets tougher afterward. And it's not meant to be a serious game where you are making all these hard strategic decisions. I mean, like we were talking about, it's a five-minute game. I don't know how many strategic decisions you can make in five minutes. So for me, I actually thought it did scale pretty well based on group. I do agree in two players, you're going to have to discard cards more often to draw more cards back up, but I didn't think there was a problem with that. And three players is funny because it was always my son that was running out of cards first. And so we actually modified our play to make sure my daughter played more cards earlier on. I've played two, and two, three, and four players, and I thought it played pretty well at all counts. Most of my games have actually been three players. So sorry you had a frustrating experience, but I would bet that partly had to do with the fact that you weren't just able to throw cards down and redraw. Well, we, we did add that rule in later, but then we were running out of cards more. So yeah, it was sort of frustrating on, on two ends. Yeah. All right, so Mike, sounds like you're going to be negative. This is like, you know, we're battling on this one. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I don't really, well, I won't say I don't recommend the game, but I have a lot of cautions. Uh, it's very cheap, it's very beautiful, it's fun, and even um, in the, like, the three-player group that we were playing, we, we still played, like, four or five times in a row, but at the end we were kind of hate-playing, because we just wanted to finally beat this level, and we never did, and it... They, they would not want to play it again. <laughs> so so what level did you start them on? We, we, we went from the easiest level to the third level, and and we played the third level like four times in a row and just kept banging our head against the wall. And Yeah, so I, I, I don't really want to play this game again, except for trying it out with my son just to see if he enjoys it. I think uh, of all the real-time games we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks, I think this is the weakest. I mean, I, I don't want to criticize the designers, but I think there is... Except for it being fun and quick and simple, there is little here to recommend. I don't think there's anything really incredibly innovative, and I think that there's a lot of problems, at least for me. But I'm very glad, Peter, that you had a more positive experience, especially since you're the one who actually owns the game, and I don't have to worry about it after uh, after we review it. <laughs> That's funny, because I am totally on the other end of the spectrum with this. I've actually recommended this to non-gamers to pick up and play. I think that the gameplay is innovative. I love throwing down cards just to match symbols. Anybody can pick that up, 
But in order to do it the way you have to do it and as quickly as you have to do it, there's a learning curve there, like I was saying earlier. So I I think there's a lot to like with this one. I've loved playing it with my kids. I think it's my kids' favorite. Certainly my daughter's favorite game. She She asks to play it all the time. So it is definitely something that's been a hit with the kids. I think kids, non-gamers, casual, like I said, I think it's a great opening to a game night and a closing to a game night. The only critique I've heard, which is funny because it's on the other end of this, is once you play through it and once you're good enough to beat the last level, there's not a lot of ways you can add challenges to it. So that would be the one end. But if you guys are getting stuck on the, what, third of six bosses, that's probably not a problem. And I beat through boss three, but that's the highest I've ever played through. Well, but, but again, it's, it's a three-player problem. You literally have like 40 or 50 fewer cards to deal with the exact same number of enemies because the only change uh, in like four and five player is two extra mini boss cards. Right. Which, you know, are, are a little bit, but they're certainly, you know, two extra cards that have like five or six icons on them are not at all equal to like an extra 40 cards in your supply to deal with them. So it's very odd. And then, you know, I didn't talk about five player much, but five player, you have the exact same hand size as three players. You again only add two extra cards to face. And you have, you know, like 15 cards and larger deck sizes. It's, it's just very odd. Like three players clearly much harder than any other player count and five players much easier. And there was little effort made to make those more equal. And, you know, I don't have much to say back to that. And we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I'm going to keep playing it. We mostly play it three player. I do think it might be more challenging, but I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I'm happy you're happy with it, man. I always want people to enjoy games. It just uh, was not for me. Right. And actually, a quick fix to that right there, you can do what they do in a two-player game, which is one of the players can shuffle two decks together and play that way. Yeah, yeah, I I was thinking about that, or even, like, dividing up a deck between the three of you. Since you're going to have to clean up all the cards and divide them back out anyway, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And then you'd uh, at least reach equality with the two and the four player games you'd have a fairly even playing field so yeah that's a good fix there you go everyone try that out (laughs) (laughs) and again it's a fairly inexpensive game it's quick to play and easy to access and beautiful so it'll look nice on your shelf oh i didn't say the the box go check out the box cover it's like in a funny shape the box itself is in a funny sort of star shape it's very cool design they definitely did a nice job on the production overall yep very cool All right, well, that is our review on 5-Minute Dungeon. All right, Peter, you want to lead us into our second review of the episode for Escape, Curse of the Temple? Absolutely. Escape is another real-time game, but it is a 10-minute timer this time. You shuffle a bunch of tiles together, put a starting chamber out in the middle. You put a gem depot, which holds the gems So you have these little gems, which throughout the game you are going to be putting on tiles as they come out. And the more gems that are left on this gem depot at the end of the game, the harder it is going to be for you to escape. So you put a number of gems on the gem depot based on number of players and difficulty you want to set it to. You put two other gems next to the gem depot, and I'll explain those in a minute as well. And then you put your characters in the middle on the starting tile and you start playing. In order to play, each player is going to roll five dice. When you roll those dice, they're going to have different symbols on them. Most of them are symbols that help you do things like explore another tile or move to another room. Or if you're in a room, there'll be these gem tiles as well where you are trying to roll a certain symbol. So in some 
of the gem chambers, you need to roll torches. In other ones, you need to roll keys. You're basically rolling until you get those symbols. Then you take gems from the gem depot and put them on that gem tile. And then you get all your dice back and start rolling again. To explore, you're going to need to roll two adventurer tiles. And the way it works is you're going to roll all five dice. And then you can pick up as many of the dice as you want. And then continue to roll as many as you want. So if you got two symbols you want, you can roll the other three dice. The only exception to that is these black mass dice, which lock themselves once you've rolled them. And the only way to unlock them is to get a golden mask, which unlocks itself as well as two black mass dice. But you're basically going to keep rolling until you get all the symbols you want. At three points throughout the game, you're going to hear a bell chiming. The first two times it happens, you have to run back to the start chamber. If you don't make it back, by the time you hear a symbol crash, then you have to discard carded dice forever so you'd be permanently down to four dice you keep going until you find that exit chamber which is shuffled into the bottom couple of tiles and when you get there you need to roll symbols again on your dice to escape once you escape you're allowed to pass one of your dice on to somebody else which is important if somebody gets stuck and you keep playing until everyone has escaped all right thanks peter uh so i started for five minute dungeon why don't you start with your number five for escape All right, my number five is intuitive iconography. To be honest, I don't know what all the sides of the dice in Escape are. I know there's like a running man, a key, a torch, a black mask, and a golden mask, but I don't know what they're actually called. And the bottom line is you don't need to know because on the back of every tile, so when you're, if you want to explore a tile, you need two of the little running man guys, which are called adventures, consequently. So it shows it on the back of the tile, so you know exactly what you need to do to explore. If you need to move into a room, it shows two symbols on that room to move into. So it's very good iconography, and it keeps you involved in the game, and that's very important for a real-time game, because you need to see these things fast and quickly understand what is going on, and I think they do a great job with that. My number five is... uh kind of like I did with 5-Minute Dungeon, not necessarily directly related to the game, but still definitely stuck out with me. This game is expensive, and I don't know what Queen's game is using to justify that price. They, they have weird prices on their games sometimes in general. This game is $50, and you know, compared to 5-Minute Dungeon, which is like $15, and Magic Maze is $20 or $25, I see nothing in this game that justifies that price. It's got, uh, what, I guess 20 custom dice, which is probably the most expensive thing in there and some cardboard tiles and an hourglass, and that's it. In a really big box that I guess is meant to fit some of the expansions because it doesn't really need that much space for the game. Like a one-page rule book. It seems like a game that should be priced at like 25 or 30 for the content and for the simplicity of it and the straightforward kind of real-time nature of it. And yet for some reason it is priced as like a premium game. So uh, an early con for me, even when I bought it, I was like, man, why am I paying so much for this very simple real-time game? Well, come on, Mike. There's a CD that comes with it as well. That's why. Oh, yeah. See, I've never even used a CD. I always just used uh, somebody had an online app like five minutes after the game came out, and I always used that. But hey, okay, CDs, I guess those are expensive, right? I mean, it costs at least 10 cents to buy a burnable CD. Absolutely. So yeah, that's where all the costs went into. But with that out of the way, the rest of my stuff is gameplay related. But uh, Peter, what's your number four? So my number four is good scaling for difficulty. So unlike a game like 
one deck dungeon where you have to face a different boss to get a different level of difficulty. Here, you just need to add more gems to the gem depot at the beginning of the game. And it's funny because they have suggestions in the back, like how to scale difficulty. And they're like, add three more gems and add three more gems. Well, in all honesty, you could add one or two more gems. It really doesn't matter. You don't have to bump up in those increments. Just figure out where the right difficulty is for you and your group. So it's very easy to scale the difficulty of the game. And that's why it is my number four. So, Mike, what is your number four? My number four is uh, mostly a pro, although a little bit of con in there, and that's uh, how expandable the game is. So, as Peter mentioned, in even, like, the base game, at this point, you know, we bought our copies a while back, but at this point, uh, they have a big box expansion that I think collects most, if not all, of the modules Queen Games released. But the game, you can, like, add in extra tiles, which is pretty much what they do, with their own special powers, either uh, replacing the original tiles, or if you want to make the game harder, just straight up uh, having more tiles in the game and you have to walk through and explore through. And I enjoy that, that with the same simple system, just this die rolling, you can add on a lot of expandable content. In the base game, the blessings are pretty fun. The curses are a little goofy sometimes, but they're good for like a party atmosphere. Like Some of them prevent you from talking or from uh, using one of your hands and things like that. You know, they're they're a little hit or miss. And I also uh, don't love how, until the big box edition came out, it seemed like Queen Game was kind of nickel and diming people with these, like, little tiny modules that each would add a small game element. But I do appreciate how expandable the system was on such a simple, like, basic set. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't add that, and we didn't talk about the modules. But, yeah, curses make it harder. Treasures make it easier. They're all on the tiles. So some tiles have curses. Some have treasures. The curses, even if you do get them, you unlock them in the same way. They'll have symbols on the bottom of the card. You have to roll three of a symbol to unlock your curse. And so if you had to be silent while you had the curse on, you roll three keys and that silence goes away and you just discard it and start rolling your dice as normal. So I did not have that one, but that's good. I agree. Like expandability is very good in this game. Although, like you said, I don't like when they nickel and dime you for 100 mini expansions for the game. All right, Peter, you're number three. So my next one is you can make mistakes in this game. So unlike Five Minute Dungeon, where when you make a mistake, oh, well, you know, you hurt yourself, move on. In this game, you're rolling the dice so fast that a lot of times, I mean, certainly you can pick up dice that would have helped you, but you could also unlock black dice and you're not really sure what's going on because if someone's on your tile and you have a black mask in front of you, Sometimes they'll roll a gold gold mask and it's like, okay, unlock your black dice and two people will unlock their black dice at the same time. And so I think there are a lot of mistakes that get made during gameplay of this game and some of them will help you and some of them will hurt you. And it's not, I guess, a big deal because it is supposed to be a lighter game. But for some reason, it bothers me more in this game because I feel like I don't even know when we won, whether we won legitimately. And I don't know if I lost, if we lost legitimately. Whereas in Five Minute Dungeon, it's very obvious when you've made a mistake and it's always going to hurt you. Now, that's a good call. It didn't bother me, but I, I definitely see your point. Uh, my number three is also a con. And that is that at least with the core game, even with Blessings and Curses, the gameplay gets very repetitive. And, you know, I guess this is also the case for Five Minute Dungeon, but at least there you've got different narrators on the app to kind of keep you interested, and also you have different action cards. But here, the game does not really change at all from game to game, except for how the tiles come out. And there's not a ton of difference in kind of like the strategy and the decision. You kind of go through pretty much the same motions. It's still very fun, don't get me wrong, and I still enjoy it. But when you compare it to some real-time games like 
Space Alert, for example, is probably my gold standard. Space Alert has an amazing amount of variety and content in just the base game. Like, you could play that game for 50 sessions and still be exploring and leveling up to, like, tougher monsters and escape. For it all, its uh, simplicity does not really have anything like that, except for, as Peter said, increasing the number of gems. You're still doing the exact same thing each game. Yeah, I can't argue with that one either, even though it didn't make my list. I agree. It is very repetitive after you've played it a couple times. Although I think with all these real-time games, the reason it doesn't bother me as much and the reason it didn't even make my top five is because you're playing so fast and that in and of itself is the game to me. You know, you get your blood pressure up, you know, you start playing things faster. Like with one deck dungeon, even though you're playing the cards the same each time, when I face a next level boss, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to play even faster than the last time I played. And so it kind of gets me going faster. Same here. If you increase the difficulty, you're like, okay, last time we barely made it. You know, this time there's no way we got to go way faster than we were. So you're almost pushing yourself. It's almost like a, uh, a sport right? Where you're pushing yourself more and more with each of these. So even though the challenge you're facing is similar each time, you still have to get better at it to do better. And I guess that's, it makes it kind of like a dexterity game as well. Yeah. And and I I absolutely agree with you, but it does lead to kind of my, my big advice for most real-time games in general, which is, uh, you know, play it like two or three or even four times in a row, but do not play it to death because I think those uh, wrinkles are going to show through more in terms of, like, the redundant gameplay over time. What, like when you played six games of Five Minute Dungeon the other night? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Hey, there you go. All right, Peter, you're number two. So my number two is that you can get stuck in this game. If you are off by yourself, like in a three-player game, for example, typically you go two people in one direction, one in the other direction. If you are by yourself, you can just get stuck if you roll a bunch of black masks And there are ways to get out of it, so the game does a decent job of knowing that's coming. So I talked about the two gems you put off to the side of the gem depot at the beginning of the game. Well, at any point, you could take one of those gems and add it to the depot, making it harder to beat the game, but then everybody unlocks all their black dice. So that's one way they give you to get out of it. Of course, they give you the gold dice, and each gold dice unlocks two black masks. So that, of course, helps you. And I say gold dice, but I meant gold mask. So that's certainly good. And if you roll a gold mask, you can just hold on to it for when you know you will eventually roll black masks. But sometimes you just roll four black masks right off the start. And it's like, well, I'm just kind of stuck here, guys. (laughs) Um, And then the last way they give you to deal with it is even when somebody escapes, they give you a dice. So if you were locked up with all these black masks and one of your counterparts escapes, even if they weren't anywhere near you, they give you a dice in hopes that you will roll that gold mask. So The game does give you ways to get out of it, but it is frustrating to sit there and in this real-time game where your blood pressure is already raised, watch everybody keep rolling and rolling, and you are just sitting there stuck. So that is my number two. The game, you can get stuck in it. So it's interesting. My number two is basically the same point, except uh, it sounded like pretty much a pure con for you, and it's a mostly pro for me. So I will give it a little bit of con in that, yes, you can get stuck, but... In terms of what Peter said, like getting your adrenaline going and kind of the fun of the game being the rush and the challenge itself, um, I love the black and gold masks. I love that I can get locked up, that I can like see my dice dwindling and just rolling and hoping I get a gold mask. And my favorite part is how it increases the cooperation because it's hilarious when one of you is locked up in some other area of the thing and you're just screaming, somebody come save me, somebody come save me, and someone runs over with their gold mask to you know free you up. I think that's uh, that's really fun. And it also leads to some strategic choices 
because it's usually in your best interest to keep one or two gold masks to the side, just ready for when you roll some black masks. But then you are choosing to, you know, hobble yourself a bit because you're not rolling your full dice allotment. You're keeping some to the side for a, like, kind of oh no scenario. So I really like the black and gold masks and what that adds to the gameplay and kind of the choices and the tension it adds. Although, again, we'll give it a slight con, although it's mostly a pro, because, yes, you can have the really, really bad luck that can sour the gameplay for you sometimes. Cool. And that leads us to our number ones. And mine is very similar to 5-Minute Dungeon. It is very easy to set up and play. So this is another game you can teach people in five minutes and get them up and running. You play through half a game, a full game. If you lose, it doesn't matter. It's only 10 minutes of gameplay. You set it up, you play again. So I think that is the pro for a lot of these real-time games is you're limited to a certain amount of time, and they're very easy to set up and play again after you're done. So for me, I think it is mostly a pro, although... Like Mike said, it can get lead to repetitive gameplay after a while because they do have to keep them simple because it makes it easy to learn, but it makes it easy to learn and it makes it fast to play. So that's all good in my book. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, but I, I got a bit more specific with my number one. And this is what I think is like kind of the design genius of Escape. I love how the game asks you to push your luck and to make choices about how much you want to push your luck. And it does it in two main ways. So number one, which is pretty cool, but not the coolest one, is uh, as Peter mentioned, you have these uh, dice chambers where you can uh, you can drop off gems depending on how many uh, of a certain symbol you amass there. And, you know, it's really in your best interest to push for that large number of symbols and get every gem put on there, but you don't always have the time or the number of players over there to make that happen. So I like that choice in that uh, you might just want to quickly drop a few gems there, but if you do that too much, you might not be able to get rid of enough gems to actually escape the temple. But the coolest one, and I think this is uh, what really sends this game up for me into a another plane and, like, a lot more enjoyable is, uh, I think Peter mentioned this, every, like, three minutes or so, there's a gong sound, and then you have uh, this very short amount of time to run back to the starting chamber before this door-closing sound uh, goes off. And if you don't do that, you lose, uh, I think, one of your dice for the rest of the game. So the question of, oh man, is the gong coming soon? I kind of think it is, but I really want to keep going because if we don't explore much, if we just kind of hang out by the starting chamber, we're not going to have the time we need to win. I love the tension of that choice. And just, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk about the CD or the app much, but that that adds so much to have because they, they like have this uh this fast-paced drum beat going do, 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 and you're like oh god i gotta get back oh god i gotta get back and it's it's, it's not like you lose the game if you don't get back it's actually a, a fairly minor penalty sometimes like one die stings but it's not going to lose the game by itself but man you feel like you need to get back there or you're dead and it's so much fun and it is interesting to compare this to five minute dungeon because you know Peter's right. There are some choices there, but I think the choice of whether to keep some gold masks in case you might get black masks or to roll all your dice to go through quicker, the choice of how far out you want to go and when you want to start making your way back to the starting chamber, the choice of how much you want to push your luck to put gems on those chambers, I find all of those to be like really more interesting choices in a similar time frame to Five Minute Dungeon. I find that to be just a uh, like a few rungs lower in terms of actual decision making. So yeah, like b- big pro for me pushes a lot of the other cons kind of out of the way is uh, the pushing your luck and especially the race back to the starting chamber. Super fun. 
I agree. That music really does get your heart racing when you when that first gong sounds and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to run back now. And then the second one, when that one gongs, you've explored further out typically at that point. So you have even further run back. So yeah, you're right. It isn't much of a penalty for how much we push ourselves to get back every time. You'd probably be smarter to just stay out there. Oh, totally. I've definitely won at some of the harder levels by just staying out, but I, I think it's not in the spirit of the game. I usually try to run back just because it's, it's much more exciting that way. No, absolutely. I agree. I'll go first this time on final thoughts. So my final thoughts on this one are, it's a good game. I like it. I like all these real-time games. It's uh, something that really does, we've said it a couple times now, get your heart pumping. I don't like this one as much as 5-Minute Dungeon. I don't know why. I think it might be... It's funny because they have very similar gameplay slash cleanup times. So it probably is, you know, 12 to 15 minutes to play a full game of both of them between cleanup and setup. But for me, 5-Minute Dungeon just... There was just more fun there for me for whatever reason. I I see the repetition in this one more than I see it in 5-Minute Dungeon. Maybe it's the different order the bosses come out and I have a very limited hand of cards in that game. So I'm not seeing the same decisions every time when they come out. Uh, I think those doubler cards in 5-Minute Dungeon make me feel like I'm making more choices. Whereas here I feel like anytime I roll gold dice, I'm going to keep one. I'm never going to keep two. I I know what symbols I need to roll, and I'm just rolling as fast as I can. So for me, this is more of a physical experience, whereas for me in 5-Minute Dungeon, it's more of a mental exercise. Even though the choices aren't brain-burny, you're still having to make them quickly. So that's how I would compare and contrast. But for the price, especially when you can buy two 5-Minute Dungeons for one of Escape. Three. Three 5-Minute Dungeons for one of Escape. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's $25 for 5-Minute Dungeon, and it sells on Amazon for, I mean, maybe it was 15 but it's probably 20 uh, Okay, okay, I guess it is closer, you're right. Yeah, so, uh, so you can probably tell, but uh, I definitely prefer Escape over 5-Minute Dungeon, although I, I also agree that they're very similar, and I would say uh, in some ways more similar than some of the other games we'll discuss later. But neither one of them is top for me in terms of uh, real-time games. There are many other ones that I enjoy more. Five Minute Dungeon, I don't really want to own, and Escape, I'm happy to play Peter's copy, but I uh, sold my own copy a long time ago. I think both of them are kind of repetitive, but I I do think uh, Escape is a lot of fun. I don't think it's worth the price. I think if you can trade for a copy or get a used copy or find a good deal on it, yeah, go ahead. And maybe the big box version is worth it because with so many expansions, that variability and repetitiveness would, uh, you know, the variability would go up and the repetitive nature would go down. So then it might be uh, worth it, but I would say uh, I'm not sure I would buy either of these, uh, even though I think Escape is a pretty good game and I enjoy it a lot. Um, I think they both have issues and I think there's uh, better ways to spend your gaming money. Well, I am going to disagree with you there because I do think they're worth owning or at least playing once. So I would at least pick one of them. Some people like these real-time games, some people don't. And I know our friend Jerry hates real-time games, so if we even try to throw one of them in front of him, he's going to like balk at the thought of it. You might be somebody who loves these things. You might be somebody who doesn't like them. So I think you should at least try to get your hands on one, whether you own it yourself or play somebody else's copy. But I do think it's worth it because they do provide a different experience than a lot of these heavier, thinkier board games. I agree with that, but I would say uh, wait two weeks and hear about some of the other real-time games we discussed, because I would recommend buying any of those ones over either of these, personally. All right, well, there it is. You've had another episode of Co-op Cast. Yeah, and please come back in two weeks, check out some more real-time discussion, and uh, we'll see you then. (laughs) 
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Co-OpCast. We'll be back in two weeks to review another cooperative board game. Until then, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, if you like co-op games and why else would you be here, check out coopboardgames.com. They have some great cooperative board game material. If you want to contact us, feel free to follow us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at mvpboardgames at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, both our games this week and uh, the follow-up in two weeks are all uh, related to each other in that they are all real-time games, games that you play in real time with a timer. That was really redundant. <laughs> games with a timer that is real-time and you have time and the clock. <laughs> Look, we're timing this. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, today we're looking at Five Minute Dungeon, uh, which is published by Spin Master Games, which I've never heard of. Have they published anything else that you know about, Peter? Oh, way to put me on the spot. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) At two points throughout the game, you're going to hear donging. Donging doesn't sound like a very good way to describe it. Because <laughs> I would recommend buying any of those ones over either of these, personally. Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to say absolutely because I don't agree with that. But uh, <laughs> Say it quick. Say it quick. Bye.